0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sounds of the Seventies with Gary and Rob. I almost forgot who did the show. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to come to the show today because I feel so damn for <laughs> Have you ever just felt so funky you didn't know whether you could do the show? Yes, I've been in a
1: funk, and uh, a lot of people describe me as having a funk, and then they tell me I should have a shower. And then they say, no, no, I'm not getting a Oh, yeah, you're yeah. you're that kind of funky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on days when I know I'm going to be with
0: people, sure, a shower. But then
1: the other days, why?
0: You know what? <laughs> that's why you're so unpopular with the ladies. <laughs> they do like your rebel attitude, but your funkiness can be a turnoff. Well, I think they should
1: lighten up and uh, wear more perfume,
0: yeah. I don't know if that was a shot or whether you actually meant that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sometimes I get confused by you. So I'll tell you one thing: the Winchester Building in the downtown Metropolis. Well, we're not going to edit that because we don't edit. But I'm going to tell you one thing, (laughs) which is now two things: is that uh, the Winchester Building in the downtown Metropolis area sure smells funky today. (laughs) That's the heat and the sewage. (laughs) <laughs> <sewage>. yeah, <laughs> Mr. Winchester actually does live sewage come through every uh, 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 uh not apartment space but office building space yeah. in the Winchester building just to prove the power that he has <laughs> over his own building. <laughs> he's people a, he's a mean, but they can't. We're gonna talk about Mr. Winchester in a second, by the way. It's gonna be interesting. Uh today is our part two of our look into music, or as normal people say, funk music uh, <laughs> in the 70s and we will be reviewing the album Maggot Brain, but well, Funkadelic. Yeah, if I do that too much, uh, send an email or something and say every time you say funky, uh, don't get it. <laughs> no. Tonight is a funk free night. No, no, no rules no. on funk. You know, there's not going to be, even though the 70s were the prime time for, for funk music. There's not going to be. It was still a niche market. There's not going to be an overload of, of funky music on this show, unfortunately, just because there's not a lot of records out there. So we're trying to we're trying to milk it as much as we can.
1: <laughs> there won't be another uh, funk episode for about wait uh, oh, 60 of them. That's my prediction. Great. <laughs>
0: wait till show number 60. About then. <laughs> Uh, also, producing this show today is extremely unfunky, this man. The man, is, the man is the epitome of unfunky, like Lawrence Welk. He's like the Lawrence Welk of producing podcasts. I
1: think the funkiest thing about him is his name, Uptown. Uptown, like. Uptown,
0: like. A man whose job is on borrowed time. But I think he knew that from episode one. Uh, a yeah, man who barely clings to employment. But anyways, we don't want to get to be... Uh, in too much of a downer here on such a funky episode. And every time I start to get down, I say, take no mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you get the funk back in your system. And if you, you don't get... if you don't know what that means, then you obviously missed last week's show, so screw you. I don't mean, I mean <laughs> screw you. I don't mean that. I love you people, but so screw you.
1: <laughs> so I, I'm sure there's a nice way to say that, but Is time management.
0: You know, I got a lot to do. Every time I say we got a lot on our plate today. We have I have like 20 minutes of time <laughs> to kill. So it's like it's almost like uh, a bad omen when I say it because. But I think we do because you're going to You are gonna love this. You don't know this because like you, I was not. Oh, I'm sorry. Like me, who <laughs> like me, you were not at rehearsal yesterday, so you don't know this. How do you but know I wasn't at rehearsal? The guy that I send always send oh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to rehearsal instead of me. Who is my uh, who is my uh, uh, nephew Rick, by the way? Told me uh, that we got a letter from Mr. Winchester. When they sent it to rehearsal. Well, where else would they go? No, he in sent it. He sent it yesterday. He didn't send it to rehearsals. oh, these guys are rehearsing. I'm going to send. <laughs> going to Listen, send them, Mr. Mailman. Make sure
1: these guys <laughs> get this between the hours of 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. because that's when they rehearse. Exactly. That's the power of Winchester.
0: He's a uh, he's a man of many many uh talents and abilities. All of them evil. I just want to say to you,
1: Winchester, fear is not
0: respect. Oh, so I don't, is I don't think fear said, is not respect. I wasn't there. A movie where they said uh, something like uh, uh, I, "I'd rather be feared than respected" or something like that. There
1: know. could be maybe some old book from uh, class. Some novels. old book, movie <laughs> dig. So, anyways,
0: <laughs> some old book. Prince of the Popper. Anyways, <laughs> Mister Winchester himself wrote us this letter, and he's not too happy with us, which he never is. It never is, and when you get the
1: same unhappiness all the time, uh, you get geared to it, and uh, it doesn't uh, shock you. You just, oh, okay, what's he not happy about this time? Exactly. Which is my attitude. Yeah. I haven't even read the
0: letter. Have you read the letter? And if I'm going to in a second. I Maybe. actually did read the letter, because I can't just blindly read a letter. No, I could. You could. I've done it before. It's Winchester. You know, uh... uh uh, uptown light passes me something and then i just read it without knowing what the hell it is so i can't say that i haven't read anything on our show that i've pre-planned uh, or anything because there has been some uh, meddling, meddling. <laughs> you always come up with the wrong words <laughs> at the wrong time any improvisation it's always this this show you know we 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 practice this show many times. <laughs> I like to take it in different directions, and it never, it never, with well, the way it starts out, it never ends up that way. So it's like that's why we have different people go to uh, go the to critics. rehearsal and tell us how it's going. I don't know if people keep it down about rehearsals or shit like that. Well, it's I don't want to swear. We're going to start swearing in episode fifteen. <laughs> I'm living in because earnest because it's so in earnest very difficult. To not do, I promise you by show 15, we will lift the no swearing ban. But we still have the, my yeah, personal swearing ban in here. And I'm using it because I'm going to be reading Mr. Winchester's letter to us right now. Perfect. And I will be censoring some words for our listeners, of course, who have a weak heart condition or other such ailments. Because it's, it's tough language. I didn't even know he was literate. That'll get, that'll get him on a good side
1: well, uh, I can say bad things about him I know for a fact he doesn't listen to the show because he says he doesn't like it
0: I, I think he listens but I think it's the wrong show I still do I, <laughs> said, I said that before on this program I, I really think he tunes in he said something about dolphins and seals once time how we didn't like it and we've never talked about dolphins and seals it seems to me if we gave him
1: a wrong name for the show a red herring if you will
0: He'd never uh, know the difference. Yeah, but the funny thing is we gave him the right name. So if we gave him the wrong name, you might find it.
1: Okay. Figure that one out.
0: (laughs) 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 What what does he have to say? This this is the official letter from Mr. Winchester, uh, owner and manager of the Winchester building and, of course, the beautiful downtown Chocolates area. He says, I guess it's for all of us, not all of you people out there listening, but for all of us. All of us working on the all show. All of us working on the show here. Uh, it says, <laughs> I don't have to censor this one, but it says, Dear Ass Wipes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, see, I know that's not
1: us. <laughs> he put it in the wrong envelope, but that's all.
0: Yeah, he read it for somebody else. <laughs> Ever since the four of you, which is strange because there's only three of us. so we have two mistakes already ever since the four of you have moved in you have been nothing but a pain in the ass you have been put on official warning and any more shenanigans shenanigans I like that word. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. i never been able to spell that. Did he spell it correctly? It sounds like something like a cop in applicant Abac- at Costello would say in the old movies and stuff. Shenanigans. Stop those shenanigans. Stop shenanigans. <laughs> need more, shenanigans and outbursts will result in termination of your lease and immediate removal of yourselves and your property from this building. Oh, we're scared. We signed a lease. We have a contract. Uh, talk to our lawyer. Um. Uh, <laughs> R- rubs. Yeah. Uncle Uncle. <laughs> we, need, we need a definition of oh, first. We are outraged <laughs> by your accusations, Mr Winchester. One of the things that really burns my britches is that Rob guy. Oh good, good, good. I mean huh? I don't I don't want a person who looks like a reformed pedophile <laughs> going in and out of this building. <laughs> This guy creeps the uh, F out of me oh, Sorry source of that. He looks a little slow in the head he, sorry. He, he's kind of funny in his in his ignorance and, and uh, he he looks a little slow in the head in the first place. <laughs> and he also seems like the kind of guy who jump at you at any time to love you in your buttocks area. Just for the fun of it.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if I, if I like what I'm
0: hearing. To say, to say the women of this building don't like him is another statement.
1: <laughs> well, the women of this building are all a bunch of
0: <laughs> snags. Okay. So I guess he doesn't like you. He's afraid you're going to molest him with one of your members to one of his free air zones at his bottom.
1: You know, I I have a better upbringing than that than where I come from.
0: I agree with him. You don't? Know, you do look like a bit of a pedophile. You don't
1: talk or use that kind of language in front of the person's face. You do that behind his
0: back. I know. I've told, I've told people you look like an unreformed pedophile. That's a breach of, of etiquette. Behind your back, because that's just considerate. Well, the whole pedophile
1: thing, what with the uh, the stuffed animal and that, that's... You were never charged.
0: Anyways. <laughs> There's reason to believe that little girl was lying. Shut up. <laughs> Idiot. He's just kidding. Okay, then there's the guy you call Uptown Mike. Ooh, Uptown Mike. When I yeah, you can see I've never read, read this thing before. Sorry people. But things are handed to me in every. Day. When I was when I was in the army, any guy that came into boot camp with a name like Uptown Mike was sure to take a bullet in less than a week on the line. <laughs> like- if not by the enemy, then by us. <laughs> Sounds like only officers were named up down. <laughs> <laughs> not, Not that he would get into the Army in the first place, since he looks like a uh, gosh darn it. <laughs> he looks like a gosh darn it man of alternative lifestyle. <laughs> Sorry, I had to censor that. <laughs> Back in the old days, they would
1: call it a Kansas City faggot. Back, Back in the old okay, we can't say that.
0: That's why. I, that's why it's I historical it. language. Oh, he didn't say it in the historical language. He said it in hatred. Uh, uh, I'll tell Mike. He has. He has a haircut that screams. That screams. Violate me in the buttocks. <laughs> and and a face that says, I, "Can I pleasure you orally?" <laughs> he does have a face. That kinda says, Do You mind if I get on my knees? <laughs> I'm sorry, people. I consider myself a little bit a fairly open-minded person, but even a good family man like myself has his limits when it comes to these fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should, I'm sorry, I've read this I should have read this before we went on the year. But you know what, Mr. Winchester in his bigotry is pretty Um, fun. Last but not least is that smug son of a bitch, Gary. He blames everything on everybody else and talks to me like I shouldn't be in the same room with him. I'd like to be in the same room with him just long enough to pound the crap out of him and make him eat it. That's rude. Plus, it's totally wrong, of course. Mm. His type, his type of personality makes me want to throw up in a garbage can every time I hear his whiny voice. You know the anger from this man for unjustified reasons. Like what he said before about you and Uptown Mike. I could, I could see his anger. I could see where he's coming from, but it's, then he completely throws you for a loop. Yeah, this, this, this. Uh, then he turned. Then he turned and started to say things that weren't true. Uh, I'm not saying about who. It seems like against me, and I think that's that's ridiculous. Really,
1: all I heard was him saying a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's all. But you know, funny, I get a mental picture of him uh, sitting at home late at night the typewriter, I uh, spending hours doing this.
0: And that should give you a clue into the character of Winchester. No, well, I don't get it. But anyway, so I I'll just say for the sake of. Finishing this letter. Yes, I understand what you're saying completely. Thank you. <laughs> Good point, <laughs> sir. Uh, so he, says, he goes on to say, legally, I can't evict you because, you because your show sucks balls. But why can't he evict us? Oh, he can't evict us just because the show sucks balls. Hey, you has got to find another reason. To but it's, it does suck them big time. <laughs> I guess he's not a fan. I don't even think he listens to the right show. I said that. I'm still saying. I I don't understand half the things you idiots are talking about, and the other half of the time you bore the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Who there. there. Who the the F cares about albums released over 40 years ago? (laughs) Do you guys have mental problems, or what's the story? That's how I know he doesn't look in the show. That's how I know. I know, uh, not, you know. The only reason I'm even giving you a second chance is that my daughter likes you guys and your stupid-ass show, but she's not the brightest bulb either. <laughs> so get your crap together or get out. He didn't say crap. He said word, but he said get your crap together or get out. By the way, his daughter, uh, uh, Carleen, who... who, who by the way, his daughter is not is I should say is very much of legal age, and is very much an adult, and is very much ooh, ooh hello. In some states. She likes you actually too. <laughs> no, she does. We should have her on the show sometime. No, she doesn't like you that much. But. <laughs> no, but if we had her on the show. We couldn't do that. We get kicked out in like a week. We get kicked out the next day. We get kicked out that night. It'd be worth it. So, uh, you know, that's the letter, because it says, end of letter. You guys should make me read this at rehearsal so I, don't... Yeah. <laughs> so I know what I'm doing. Uh, but it's, you know what? You know, i got one thing, one thing only to say to Mr. Winchester, and I think you know what it is, Rob, It's a take no mess. He's not funky enough to understand that. Oh, you know what we have, Rob? After oh, that debacle,
1: uh, we have a thing where we talk about the
0: yeah, and it's. Uh, the... I want to, th- you know what? Forget it. I want to talk about it because people think that's a made-up letter, it's not. It's a true letter written by Mr. Winchester, and I was quite rude.
1: And it's not. The first. And the
0: part about me was wrong. <laughs>
1: And there'll be more lands of this nature.
0: <laughs> well, he's just a hateful man. Oh, well, he is. He's. He's. Uh, I think. I think he's being manipulated by Mrs. Winchester. I think she pulls the puppet strings. Could be.
1: Yeah. But if he ever leaves her, he
0: loses all his money. All his power. This is all this power. Big Superman. Well, um. That's pretty much the same thing. Rob, you know what we have It's a sponsor this week. For the first time and probably the only time, uh, we have uh, a sponsor that Uptown Mike actually got for us, even though he could have done it like eight shows ago (laughs) if he was really doing his job. Because one of the jobs of the producer, I just want to point this out to the people out there, is to get a sponsor so that we can actually earn some money. So that we can continue making the qualities. Sounds like, I'm sounding like a public television. Writer. So we can give the quality, a quality programming. programming. You've <laughs> come to expect.
1: So we're just trying mm-hmm. to continue to do our job. So
0: uh, <laughs> so right now a uh, premiere on Sounds from the Seventies. And we're uh, talking like uh, it's a
1: car company or uh, furniture or uh, what do they do? Uh,
0: I don't know. I should have went to Ursula.
1: <laughs> I don't think you would have learned anything there.
0: Oh, what's this? Uh, oh, here Here's it is. Thing. Here it is. So, <clears throat> this I'm going to present to you right now. Uh, here is this week's advertisement from our uh, sponsor. Do we know who it is? I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read, read what uh, the, the they sent us the advertising copy. I'm just gonna do that. So, oh, I start. Okay. Hey man, what's that you're drinking? It's Uncle Jethro's lemony moonshine whiskey. It tastes so good it makes me forget all about my problems and cheap too. Why? Well, Why well, I thought moonshine made you blind and stupid as a donkey's ass. No, that's in the old days. Uncle Jethro puts a lot of care into
1: his whiskey so that you won't die or go half mad. Hey, where can I get some of that whiskey? Well, you take Route 9 until you reach Range Road 212, then you turn left right before the big willow tree that hangs over the road. Then you go about three miles until you come to old Dan Tucker's place. You'll know it's his place because he'll try and drive you off his property with a pitchfork, a crazy old coot. Then go another ten miles till you come to Big Bertha's shack. Don't get out and talk to Big Bertha because she'll tell everybody you're the father of her baby. You drive west about two miles, get out of the car and when you enter it, Possum Creek and wait there until Uncle Jethro's nephew, Billy Bob, comes around with his shotgun and takes
0: you on a six-hour hike up the mountain to Uncle Jethro's. Wow, that's as easy as licking molasses off a two-pin horse ass. I told you it was easy. Yes, Uncle Jethro's lemonade moonshine whiskey. The type of whiskey you can get anywhere but... anywhere meaning only certain places. <laughs> I got a funny feeling. I'm still gonna go blind drinking. That was nice. I, I don't know if we're getting paid for that or or if Mike's just getting sexual favors for getting that sponsor.
1: Jethro and his various—I'm uh, gonna call them relatives. Oh, nice. Because you don't know how they're related,
0: but you know they are. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, I get. You know what? I know exactly what you're saying. That's where you go. I get what you're talking about just to, to move on to another subject i can but I can, for all the people out there i don't know what he's
1: i can say the exact same thing with a very short musical piece Diddling, ding 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 ding
0: oh the thing for the members we can't do too many notes or else so we have to pick up, right.
1: right <laughs> i'm pretty sure the composer of dueling banjos Dead is diligence
0: yes but you know what first of all he may not be so please don't say that because it's a very disrespectful thing and secondly he'll have damage uh, they consume just as easy as he can if he was alive and maybe he is he's either alive or he's dead I'm a gambler I got melody. that in my head now you know what? don't don't do stuff like that where you do a melody do because not shut up break. Okay, we got, you know, what we got, yeah. oh my God, I promised it last week. And when I promise things, do I always come through? No, no. but this time, <laughs> this time, I've actually come through. You wanted two emails, people, two emails in one show. And that's what we've got because it's email. I like email. You like email. We all like email. Email! So. Sounds like female. Female email, that'd be great. Okay. So this first one is from Alan Pasqua in Red Bank, New Jersey. Red Bank. And Alan says Hey guys,
1: what is Uptown Mike equipped to do other than produce the show?
0: Dickle. <laughs> <laughs> Uptown Mike hardly even produces this show, to be honest. I got I got a pet peeve here. Uh, I got a pet peeve. All right, I'll why? It's like every second email is about Uptown Mike, and he like does diddly squat. And I think people are interested in Mike is because he's like this mysterious. The mystery. Guy. I the was just going to say that. Yeah, they who know not, us well. Believe me, if you saw him, you would you would not be. <laughs> be sad to get any emails about him.
1: Well, it depends on who you are.
0: <laughs> That's true. A lot of prisoners would, I would assume. We, have, just huge, we have, by the way, we have a huge uh, prisoner uh, uh, listenership. Which I mean, thankful the, uh, for uh, the lady inmates, like in and E. No. Oh. no, the hardened criminals, the hardened male criminals, think that we are uh, the bees knees, as they used to say. Oh, really? Yeah. If you ended up in jail. uh for some reason, for some sort of uh plot or whatever, they would they would take care of you in jail. Well
1: that's good. They
0: would make sure that you were well taken it's care be, of. It's because of the podcast, isn't it? It's because of the podcast and because of the way you look hey, care of you, for
1: that example. might be a backup plan if we get kicked out of the Winchester building. No, that's not a backup. We both get arrested, we get sent to the same jail, we do like the Blues brothers, but with a podcast.
0: Why don't you try that? And I'll I'll, I'll operate the, the computers and stuff, and you go inside and see what happens. But so that's hopeful. I, if I was you, I, any right. free holes other than your ears and your mouth, I would cover up. <laughs> so, all right. That's kind of rude. But, uh, you know, not. I can't make this show PG all the way through, people. <laughs> That's why show 15, we're lifting the uh, censorship ban and we are speaking freely. Oh, I didn't really want. Because, okay, the reason why we started the censorship ban of not using swear words. Because it was the because first ten or fifteen episodes. For the first ten or fifteen episodes, I didn't want to offend yeah. my family and family uh, and the nieces. people that you have to live with. Oh, right. And Thanks. so that they would know what the show's about without saying wise, or this but they understand the show now and we're giving advance notice by show fifteen that we're going to Yeah, and watches. they're probably all
1: like uh tuned out by now. They're all like, Oh well, I don't get it. This is too intellectual for me.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say a lot of people <laughs> have come up to me and street and said your shows were too intellectual. Could you dumb it down, please? Uh, uh, how did you get so smart? <laughs> well, what do you mean too intellectual? <laughs> and uh, trust me we don't <laughs> we swear a lot. <laughs> so it's very hard not to swear when we get passionate about, about an album or something. So we're gonna take that away and if people don't like it, then you know what why don't you listen to The Gardening Hour with Marilyn Kadoodoo? By the way, a very nicely. This album
1: was a big pile of Marilyn Kadoodoo. <laughs> <laughs> we can use that. Don't put her down. It's a nice
0: lady. Holy smokes. And the last two so Okay, weeks. we got to see. We got another email because I promised two to everybody last week because I didn't do any on our previous episode. So this next email is from Cindy Kleinmeyer of Etobicoke, Ontario. Uh, Rob, what is Cindy's question? Well, let me just have a read here. <laughs> you know it's an actual email <laughs> when it sounds like that.
1: You guys sound sexy on the
0: show. What do you look like? who we'll like it. You know what? Well. First of all, Uptown Mike. He's mysterious, but Uptown Mike looks like the guy. We were talking about jail. He looks like the guy in jail who would be anally raped the first night. Kind of the guy who does all the other inmates' nails now. In <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know if that helps you picture him at all, but he just looks like the guy that when he gets to jail, he doesn't stand a chance. Okay? Uh, Rob, you know who Rob looks like? Other than <laughs> other than an unreformed pedophile.
1: Miss <laughs> M- M- Klein, my, I, I, I have one word to describe my physical
0: appearance. Think muscles. Anyways, to get back to reality, (laughs) you disagree. You are the epitome. You look like a young Lee J Cobb.
1: Lee J Cobb, I love that guy.
0: Nobody's (laughs) gonna get that except you and Uh, (laughs) me. We should have cliff notes for some of the things we say, but you do. You look like a young Lee J Cobb. By the way, by the way, ah, I just type up names like that on the internet and find out who they are. I can. Uh, I got three. I got three impersonations I can do. Oh. I, I can a do a million. good impersonation. I know you do a million. Just do mine at the end of every show. Yeah. But I can do your mother. Which. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it good, don't I?
1: You have, and uh, I, 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 I. When you do it on the phone, I'm like, uh, uh, what's going on, mom?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it out of respect for Rob's mom. I'm not going to do it on the show but uh and for rob but i rob has said i do a good i i i i do a good impersonation of his mom i do uh well lee J cobb yeah and i think on the waterfront i used to think it was 12 angry now i'm going to do it in a second i want to do my my impersonation of lee sure. J cobb in a second and mm-hmm. I do <laughs> Rob knows the other the other impersonation I like to do because I do it all the time is Floyd the Barber from Andy Griffith Show. Which is which is always just I'll do I'll do it always, which is always just boy, I think, ooh, I think a boy, I <laughs> <laughs> so
1: the nice one with that is sometimes you have to like Force yourself to stop doing that and go back to. The I do. I actually.
0: I uh, Rob will say, "Why don't you do, do an impersonation of this?" And it's an impersonation of Florida the Barber all the time. Why don't you do your? Why don't you do your Clint Eastwood? Oh sure. Hey, you want to hear good? <laughs> hey punk, you want to hear good? <laughs> you throw a so, punk in there, you've got of stuff there. So I'm gonna do the only <laughs> other one that I can do without getting Rob's mom mad. I think she liked my impersonation of her, to be honest with you. If I get the okay to do it, I will do it on a later show. I give you the okay. No, <laughs> not from you. you. You would give me the okay to slap the hens around. If you were. <laughs> so, you trust I later, later deny it. Oh, the hens. We love the hens. Rob's sisters will be on our show soon, as soon as negotiations <laughs> are fulfilled, which could take at least a year, but we're in negotiation. I I call them up every week and ask how's it going? And they always say, no, we're not doing show. But they <laughs> will, they will break. So this is Lee J. Cobb and I think on the waterfront, I used to think it was twelve angry men. And I also got Lee J. Cobb. See, I'm a little bit of Lee J. Cobb. <laughs> For some reason, but I got a Lee J. Cobb story after I do the It impersonation. could be a Lee J. And that's why I think Rob looks like Lee J. Cobb. Okay, so here's my Lee J. Cobb on the water. I forgot the line. Somebody feed me the line. That's not the impersonation, but I forgot the line. Um, the line is But uh... What, the, what do you? What do you guys... Can We edit this. Yeah, okay. I'm about to do, do my lead job impersonation <laughs> from on the waterfront. Uh, what the heck are you guys doing around here? They're dusting it off the machine just for me. <laughs> <laughs> de- oh yeah, they're dusting off the hot seat just for me. Oh, that's wow. not that's not a a word by word quote because I got a little I got a little bit of. Uh, a stage fright there when I had to do my DJ Cobb. <laughs> but if you watch the movie or even look it up on the internet, you'll say, "Hey man, that was." I couldn't madness. tell. I couldn't tell the difference. Cause a genius. <laughs> is he DJ Cobb or is, is he my mother? everybody out there going? Who the hell's Lee J. Cobb? And they've been talking about it for ten minutes, and I'm still gonna talk about him because I still have an anecdote about J. Cobb. Is because. When I do a lot of writing at home uh, for either the show or whatever I'm writing for, for the band, I always have a TV on. And what I like to have on the TV is just whatever is, like, uh, is calming, but it doesn't, it's not really captivating. Yeah. What I, And what I usually have on is Hop along Cassidy. <laughs> I, mean. I don't laugh, people, but I do, because I don't notice it. It's kinda of like mindless entertainment oh, where I it kind of, like
1: I do the same thing with the, the golf. Golf, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Pop along
0: casting is kind of like uh, the golf of westerns. <laughs> so uh, and it helped it actually wow. helps me uh, write <clears throat> and everything to have that in practice. I don't like to write the silence. Anyways, I'm you know, I'm writing and all of a sudden on this episode of uh, oh, well, yes, so. Cassidy. DJ Cobb is a, a young DJ Cobb. Like This is like 1937. So he's like like 28 years old. And <laughs> he's like almost bald. And I'm like <laughs> how can you be almost bald at 28? And first of all I didn't know because DJ Cobb like wears like uh, he's like John Wayne. He always wears a hairpiece on almost every role he does. So He's starting out in, in his career, he didn't have one, and the guy's like, just got hair on the side, you know.
1: And yeah, like I'm that. going, like,
0: the guy's not even 30 years old, <laughs> so he's only got hair on the side. And that made me think, that's a grunt. So grunt. Some actors
1: changed their appearance for the role, do you think maybe, he shaved?
0: <laughs> that was overly dramatic. Do <laughs> you think maybe... Um, he shaved it. <laughs> you know what the good thing is, is that I did have a lot of stuff today, and we've gone through it. Oh, okay. that's it. It's done. Yeah, like so we just mail. Plus we're overtime. We're way overtime. So that's good. I do have to say though, no, about before we end up email here, is that uh, thank you for the questions. Blah blah
1: people. Uh, yep,
0: yep, yep, yep. a special. I'm just joking. They get there a special you. prize. Yes, good questions, both of you. Uh, and you each get a box of rice cakes. Sorry about that. But we have to get rid of them. The rice cakes are to be enjoyed always in your home. Don't drive. and <laughs> These rice cakes because the, they might make you gay while you're driving. Uh, rice cakes, the food of nagging sisters and hands everywhere. That's that's the tagline.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a culinary expression of the phrase, if it's awful, it's good for you.
0: I never heard that before. It was dead air because I'm, I really want to take. I've been talking so much. I really want to take like a three-minute break. But if I give it to Rob, it will be it will be in the papers tomorrow about the on-air disaster. <laughs> Let me tell you what I did in my <laughs> week. Could you give me like a minute, Rob, while I have this drink? Because
1: I'm really kind of parched. I was watching a movie the one day. Then the other day, I mowed the lawn. The neighbor came out. Oh, we exchanged uh, courtesies, I guess you'd call them. Oh, hello. How are you? Lovely weather we've been having.
0: So, anyways, what we have to review this, I bet you everybody's just going, like, uh, you know, like things got turned real fast. You <laughs> things got turned to the gardening hour, like, boom. So <laughs> you didn't need a full minute. you you rushed through that break yes that was that was like the uh, studios on fire and everybody on type of moment that's what it felt like listening to it I'm sorry but every time I give you the microphone it sounds like there's something horribly wrong in Studio B in the old days Mm -hmm. Uptown would have stopped that sort of thing uptown like is uh, a fool but anyways he's on board time <laughs> did i mention that i didn't mention that he's on board well, time yeah yeah, yeah yeah because
1: he's got that poison in the if he doesn't take the cure brain's... in 24 hours he dies
0: oh yeah poison <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're reviewing uh uh funkadelic there's a sorry oh, but i'm I just <laughs> Funkadelic, I don't know, I'm a little out of sorts today, I don't know why. you got to say Uh, Funkadelic. uh, Funkadelic, Maggot Brain, released in 1971. I did want to talk a little bit about funk music in the 70s. I think we still can. We're really running short of time because my segments were so brilliant today. Um, I don't know much about
1: funk music in the 70s. I do know it existed as a form of music, and I do know it was a
0: form of music uh, I never much listened to. Well, the question is, did I ask you? (laughs) Did I say, Rob, could I get your impression of music in the 70s? I don't remember asking. Granted, Um, you didn't ask,
1: but that saves you the trouble of asking. Plus, now you know I don't have a lot to say on the topic.
0: Okay. And I think (laughs) the reason that. I, I, I kind of know what to say on the topic because I'm a musicologist and I know everything about music. Because if it relied on our knowledge, we wouldn't have much to say. Because let's just say we live in an area that didn't have an urban station and the, oh, okay. the black music that Isn't was that, played. I music mean, like that black people listen to? Yes. That, nobody, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in our city. Uh, Really played like uh, it, well, there was no urban stations and yeah, I can't think of any place. No, or, there was, and there still isn't. To be honest well, with you, I don't think. I tell you, growing
1: up uh, though, there just was not a large, not white community.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Best it, way to say it. To be to be honest with you, it's a uh, it's a it's a white uh, classic rock type city, yep. and and it's a big city. It was but it's all. It, it was it, back it was in the seventies. Uh, yeah, you know, no, you're, right. You're, you're right. you more international. Rock and roll, and fog hat, is um, classic rock. So we're just telling you mostly from a perspective, and there were James Brown albums. I know there was a James Brown album in my brother's in my brother's collection, which was really weird. I don't yeah. know. So there were there were funk albums, not and you know in the '70s, holy smokes, where we came from, there there were like four black people. We're in a big city. Yeah. My thinking, <laughs> I, I was
1: telling, telling the a guy the other day. You know, uh, the, back when I was growing up, uh, you saw a black person, you, you kind of said to yourself, "Oh, uh, must be uh, one of the football players, yeah. or a relative of the football. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and we will reveal at some date where we broadcast from. It? Not, if it already hasn't been revealed by the press, Curly. that press, the press they like. Currently, it's the downtown
1: metropolis. Yes. Every city has one.
0: Because uh, they're probably wondering what the hell kind of places they live with. There's more black people. in <laughs> the whole big city. So um, <laughs> I'm going by mainly historical perspectives when I talk about the funk music in the 70s. And. Uh, the big thing about funk is is that it started relatively late it started in the mid-60s James Brown started it uh, and it, he, he went from an R&B soul artist to uh uh incorporating his type of music James Brown music which was funk music and then you had bands like Sly and Family Stone, and most prominently, the band we're looking at tonight, which was formed by George Clinton, two bands actually, Parliament, well, three bands when you think about it, Parliament on its own, which was a very urban group that, like, that incorporated R&B, more black-oriented music. And then there was Funkadelic, which he also started, which was more of a white funk, trying to, trying to uh, more rock and roll orientated. And then and then the two, at some point, a lot of times got incorporated into one. as Parliament Funkadelic. It's really confusing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so to explain it in words, you kind of have to listen to the music to understand completely what I'm talking about. But it gave George Clinton the freedom to move around. Uh, and this started in about 1969, 1970. He started Parliament and Funkadelic. And before that, uh, for the previous ten or so years, he was in a band called The Parliament's. It was a duo group, and that's where all of it kind of started, as far as the Parliament Funkadelic thing. But as a funk group, it all started for them in 1969, 1970, when uh, both groups started recording basically almost at the same time, led by led by uh, uh, George Clinton. Oh. So funkadelic music, not funkadelic, but funk music was not. it it, it was really a tough type of music for white people to get into, but it was even a tough type of music for mainstream black audiences to get into because the easier, more accessible music to listen to in the seventies was at first soul and R&B and then later on disco. And so it even wasn't really the, the mainstream music of the black audiences, which is really was, not in fact, a lot of white audiences, I should, I should say that a lot of white audiences like funk that were exposed to it, like in, in, in bigger metropolis cities, like New York and, and, uh, Cleveland, <laughs> I don't know why I say Cleveland, but, but bigger cities like that, that had a large, uh, palette of music that they would listen to, and the white audiences would really get into it. And but it was it was a tough music to sell. It was really a tough yeah, music It didn't to sell. really
1: spread. I mean, maybe a few of the hits came out, but
0: you're exactly right. It didn't spread. The, the hits came out, and it was a very seventies time. Now everything is is called you know tinged with well, it's not called tinged with funk. Some people will say that's a funky track or whatever. Nothing is there's to my knowledge. Uh, there's nothing that's really since. I mean it really funk music really fell off the map almost once that calendar hit January first, nineteen eighty. It it really did, like all of a sudden Parliament and Funkadelic weren't releasing albums and James Brown was in legal trouble and even music. years before That's that so... nobody cared about James Brown because he was making disco records and it was really not making funky records and Nobody was there to really carry the math. I don't think there was a lot of money to be made in funk music because the black audiences were uh, small, as were the white audiences. It was it was such great music, but sometimes great music doesn't find a, a, a great audience, if you know what I mean. Not the people weren't right? great, but great in abundance. So Exposure. funk music now is not that band's a funk band. It's almost like that band's... Uh, they have a tinge of funk. They have a little funk in them. Where there's, that song's pretty funky by them. But that's that's how that's how fringe it has become, is what I'm saying. And nobody's full out funk. The funk. No, no, I don't think. I remember the there was a band, uh, uh, Fishbone, in the in the mid '80s and early '90s. And I remember there was about as close to real funk after 1980s that I remember. But even they, even they, I checked on this, and even they're they're called like punk. Punk and alternative funk—they're not even called a real funk band. But, you know, there were a lot of funk bands, like there was the Commodores. But you know, it's funny, but the Commodores never really had commercial success until Lionel Richie started writing ballads. And it's like, it's like, hey, if you want to—and there was always a huge band. There's always like eight, nine people with horns and stuff. How are you supposed to? Make How are you really supposed to make money? Because I, I, you know—when you think about it, you feel bad for me. It's like, you know. It's it's a great type, as we've been exposed to it recently, and we've always known about it. It's a great type of music, but you can tell that it's not for everybody. And that's unfortunate because I think it has been an extremely niche market. If you call jazz niche as far as pure jazz, I think pure funk is even, this could be controversial, but it's even more of a niche market than jazz because pure funk in every single thing you do is almost non-existent. Controversial? I'll give you controversial.
1: I think it scared a lot of white audiences away with its blackness. Yes. They said, by golly, uh, this is from a culture we are unfamiliar with.
0: Mm, We are not ready. They did, like, white audiences did like, like, uh, there were a lot of people that, like, there were a lot more people who liked white audiences who liked funk music than like disco at the time. Um, or I should say, <laughs> ah, that's even difficult to say because they just seem to all interconnect R&B and soul and disco and funk at the same time around 1975. And then they all became, they all used little bits of each. It but pure funk melted down. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think pure funk scared a lot of right artists as far as. First of all, that's a little bit too hardcore for me, man.
1: I and, uh, um, and if
0: I, I uh, if I listen to that, uh, I might get beat up. Oh yeah, you're not gonna. I don't think you're a white person. And you go to a concert by 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 Parliament or Funkadelic or even go to James Brown concert. James Brown was more like a Johnny Cash where everybody. Kind of loved him or, or or disliked him. It was hard to dislike James Brown just because he's put on such a show. Yeah, yeah. But you know sure what I mean. That. Like you you could you could. You could go probably as a white person to a, a James Brown concert and be no problem, but you go to a hardcore funk show like a a, a Funkadelic or even a Commodores and they'd say, well, "What's that? Was that white honky?" That's my seventies. That's my seventies What's that white honky doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, white boy, uh, Led Zeppelin concert is up the street. Exactly. Uh, we only got like 10 minutes. And we were really running late. We had <laughs> to talk about Megatrend, which is, I hope, but I do hope that that gives people who don't know what, what yeah. funk music was in the 70s. Funk music actually was the 70s. Everything before that, uh, funk music almost epitomizes the 70s. When the 70s left, kind of pure funk music was gone. It's still nice that we hear funk tinged music. Because it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's a great form of music, and it's not as scary as people once thought. It's
1: the influences
0: have stayed, yeah. Yeah, influences even by hip, rap and hip hop have been huge uh, because of funk music. Uh, but if you really want a funk album, you know, you know, Rob knows. <laughs> I love this album, May I get Brain by Funkadelic, is uh, released in nineteen seventy, their third album, and I just love this album, and the um the instrumental "Magic brain that actually starts the album pretty cool, cool to start an album with a with a 11, jimmy hendrix minutes. type uh guitar mm-hmm. instrumental solo for eight and a half minutes or whatever and uh that rob knows how that goes yeah, anyway. I, mean, I almost got, i almost i almost get extremely get emotional every time i hear that song because it's so, I think it's one of the greatest instrumentals I've ever heard. I think I would go so far as to rank it as good as anything Hendrix did, guitar wise or instrumental wise. Yeah. I think it's brilliant.
1: I was thinking the only difference I can think of the uh, 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 backup band, uh, the, the... There was a the backup music under that guitar solo was mostly just supporting it. Uh, with Hendrix, uh, there was more playing a bit more. They were three piece and they had a lot of sound to cover. So you had Hendrix and then you had uh, the, the really good band behind them. A really good band behind here, but uh, the music wasn't as uh, intense or complex. Uh, yeah,
0: there was a lot more. Um, it was focused on the guitar. Rock and roll with a uh, rock and roll backing. Mm-hmm for Hendrix. This, this was, is more of a thoughtful It was uh, focused on the guitar more yeah. than uh and and Hazel, was... who 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 left the band like if not after this album right after this album like the next one and just kind of had an anonymous career uh you know like you know he had his following but he never became as popular as he should have. But, you know, he passed away quite a while ago. And uh, I just think uh, he's, uh, every time I hear him play, I just think this guy, this guy should be up there with the big shots, with the people they talk about all the time, the Hendrickses, the Clappins, the Jeff Becks. Mm. The he's not, nobody even knows who I'm talking about probably right now, but Eddie Hazel is brilliant. Eddie Hazel is just, he, uh, I just, I have a hard time even talking about that song without getting emotional, let alone hearing about it.
1: You know, he had done a bigger volume of work. Yes, than, you're right. Sometimes, if you take mm-hmm.
0: yourself out of the game, you yeah. kind of deserve not to get. And I don't, I don't mean that in a, in a mean way. I just say, if you take yourself out of the game and you don't get mentioned, it's kind yeah. of your
1: own fault. I mean, I, the four members quit the band uh, after. That's right. Yeah. I think the bass player was one of them. I'm not sure. Yes, because uh, he went on the, to uh, the Commodores. You know, Commodore
0: was a lot you know of you're games. right. You're right. It like a huge exodus after this album. Yeah, what I read was for various reasons (laughs) which was probably not getting along with george clinton or there was you don't know really so i i I shouldn't say or even but uh it's very strange for four people to leave on their own you know and not form their own band because they didn't just leave and form their own band they left and did other things so that's kind of weird But it's too bad because this band is super, this band is like amazing.
1: It might also be dissatisfaction over, you know, trying for three albums and it's not getting there and maybe you got to try something else.
0: And this Uh, is new music. Like this is, this is not, this is a, a psychedelic rock out more than it is a funk out. Yes, there is. In fact, when you think about it, there's very little funk on this. Rock. I
1: saw the the that the, the funkadelic, and I concentrated on the funk, and was, okay, there's gonna be funk. I have an idea of what funk sounds like. Uh it was about um, after the intro, and that was the, the first clue there. But then when I get to the first song, uh, two words hit my head. It's I thought, hippie music.
0: It is, it is. You know why I didn't think that? It's funny, it, but I thought about that twice when I listened to it uh, many, many <laughs> months ago. When I listened to it, and when I listened to it uh, last week, I was thinking if I had, if I had to put this in any category, it would be kind of like free love hippie music yeah. in a good sense, not a, not a, not an no, no. excessive way, in almost mm-hmm. a black sort of urban. way. Yeah, way. It's, it's like, like
1: they now. went and did this, and they did it well. Uh, the, the only difference uh, between this and uh, some of the more hippieish music is the content, and uh, that uh, the hippie music was more about uh, the peace and love movement. This is not. This is
0: a. Uh, well, you can tell by the titles, you know, "Hit It and Quit It." Yeah, <laughs> it's not hippie type of talk. Or uh, you and your folks, me and my folks. Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon wars, wars of Armageddon. Which unfortunately, I just want to say, like, I love everything about this album except I, I just think they, there's a little bit of avant-garde abstractness there in the the last song, Wars of Armageddon, which is uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit too smart. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I, Thinking I a little that. bit too much. and. It was like there were different scenes playing. playing. like. Uh, yeah. a little bit. For my taste, it was a little bit too pretentious, and they had really got their point across to 90 percent of this record and then the last song which is wars of armageddon which is an instrumental with talking and it's just it just you just for my sake i never got into it and it's 10 minutes long and i thought geez if they could have had just two four minute songs on there it just could have been because it was almost like the opposite of magnet brain instrumental where this instrumental seemed to go nowhere, where Maggot Brain seemed to say a lot more than it did in the time that it, it seemed that Maggot Brain yeah. seemed to express to me the whole album in the ten minutes, whole album in ten minutes and more, and Wars of Armageddon expressed it almost took away it almost took away how brilliant I thought of this album. Not for me, Wars of Armageddon. I, I actually rather enjoyed
1: it because the, the various parts where they're talking, I was picturing scenes of like what was happening. Uh, one guy's so angry, he doesn't want to go to work. And uh, yeah, there's the one part where the demonstrations and marches. and uh,
0: I, I, I I think if you're in the wrong mood, you could definitely take this song the wrong way. And if you're in the right mood to listen, this is not just a... Uh, I, I can't see anybody not being moved at any time by magic Brain. But I think Wars of Armageddon. If you're in the right mood, this song could, this song could affect you quite quite. Yes, pretty.
1: hence the psychedelic. Uh, the way the album was put together, I really love the long song at the beginning and the long song at the end, and uh, the, the the five uh, shorter songs in the middle. It's almost like booking. It is you know that's I, an album,
0: I, and they're sense. both instrumentals, <laughs> and they are. I thought of that too. <laughs> is that you know, you have the one instrumental at the beginning, which is long. It's ten minutes long. And you have the one instrumental at the end, "Wars of Armageddon, which is, again, ten minutes, 10, nine and a half minutes long. And they do book in You are so right. And then it's it's carefully placed out. This album is carefully placed out. And you can feel it, too. You can see that this album is thought of as far as the how it's put together. Yeah, very right. thoughtfully. And that's what makes this, to me, a classic record and a record that should be owned in every collection, because I just think it's just, not only is the music brilliant and the lyrics brilliant and, and everything else, but just the sequencing of the song. And it's, and it's yep. funny to say, because of the sequencing of the song, it's a brilliant <laughs> album, because it's so technical, but that's, it is. That's how <laughs> I
1: grew up with albums, and it was like about 40 minutes long, and uh you kind of expected the listener to give it a whole thing as a, a listen to. But because it was a vinyl, you had to flip the side. You had an A side and the B
0: side. You also
1: had to take that into account.
0: You also had to take into account what starts, not just one side, but one side and then the second side. the
1: second side. What's the first song?
0: It's super stupid, isn't it? Super stupid. I love that song. <laughs> Which is a great song to start. That is actually
1: side. approaching early metal is what that is.
0: It means. is. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. the point of this record is that it's not really funk and that but that was the point of funkadelic is that they weren't they were the rock part of the parliament funkadelic parliament was more of the funk r&b part they were more of the psychedelic rock at least at the beginning psychedelic rock with a little bit of funk yeah and that was also you know it's, it's pretty it was new was what you, was popular at the time when well, you listen to this don't you think this must have been pretty radical in 1971 don't i'm you? thinking i never heard I, anything like this. And I would have never heard anything like this in 1971 as far as black people playing this type of, of, of music. Yes.
1: Yes, that's why I say yeah, they, I think funk, uh, they, 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 ooh, uh, they don't want me listening to this. I better not. <laughs> I'll
0: get in trouble. Uh, this is not that. This no, is not this like is I get
1: uh, freaks on a minibus uh, <laughs> traveling uh, through the Rockies. Exactly. This.
0: <laughs> uh, this, is, this is, I love the, what you said because if I had to epitomize itself, and this is kind of like of black people playing hippie music, and it's not like white people playing hippie music. It's totally different, and it's much cooler. <laughs> it's much
1: cooler, and it's a little more uh, realistic somehow. It's not uh, the peace and love and let's change the world. Those were intentions of the time with no real attached thoughts. Yes. Let's just do it with the power of our belief. Okay, I'm going to use my mind to change the universe, too. But I forgot what I was going to say there.
0: This is very urban. Like, what they're talking about is, is street things. They're not talking about, yes. you know, uh, what <clears throat> the white people are talking about. That's the basic thing. They're not talking about what white people are talking about. They're talking about the black situation in america in 1970 yeah and there was a
1: whole lot less uh, peace and love and positive thinking because he, he, things weren't going so well it's not
0: negative it's just realistic i guess is what yeah you're saying now. um we're really out of time i apologize we're not gonna we're not gonna do this again <laughs> where we kind of have to really run through now. and that's my fault i kind of put too much stuff on the show today and it will not be like I will try not to do that again. We want to, We want to talk more about the albums and stuff. And I really probably wanted a good ten minutes more to talk about <laughs> punk music. Yeah. And I got one more it.
1: comment, but if I say it, it will go on for the podcast. I know. And I, I I apologize
0: not only to Rob for 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 writing a little bit too much for the show, but also for everybody who thinks that the show is all a bunch of shtick and not doesn't really care too much the music. Actually, it's the other way around, but I tried to fit a little bit too much in this show, and I do apologize for that. This show should be about 40 minutes of talking about the music and then talking about the albums that we're looking at that day. This show, unfortunately, not everything can work out the way we wanted to. This didn't this was a, a very good show, but it wasn't typical of what I think we would like to do as far as the music content. It's supposed to be a music show, and I kind of went overboard with with uh, my brilliant. ideas. I thought because the other shows, I thought I had a jam packed, that it turned out to last <laughs> like 15 minutes.
1: You're still getting the balance. Yeah. Yeah. So I do apologize for that. No, no, I won't have you blaming yourself. This is
0: down's fault. This is my. Well, it's always my <laughs> fault because is the producer and he watches over everything. He's supposed to stop. We're not going to do, unfortunately, right We're not going to do Rob's uh, impersonations today because we're. Uh, we already did mine, and, I, and we, we've done enough goofy stuff. We should have talked more about music. And I was going to say something about very that eloquent. Uh, oh, sorry? The new email address? Uh, I would have forgot. I swear <laughs> to God, I forget every week, and I say, I'm not going to write it down because I'm going to remember. And then I forget and say, why don't you write it down on a piece of paper? Uh Please send us email. We want all your email. Sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. That uh, sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. If you have, please don't send any nude pictures because our lawyer said so. But if you do, we can't do anything about it. Um, <laughs> lawyers, <laughs> lawyers are funny. <laughs> uh, just to end the show, Magnet Brain. I give five stars out of five. Loved it, even though I didn't like Wars of Armageddon. I I I can't rate this album high enough. Yourself,
1: I give it five out of five for the times, but four out of five for uh, Forty Years Later. And uh, the one comment I had, the the, the only uh, band I can even come close to what this reminds me of, it just sounded just a little bit like War with all the vocals and the you know, the percussion. Oh.
0: See now you're getting me started because I can go that, <laughs> that I agree comment. with you I agree with you about that but I can't and I again apologize <laughs> we will we, I will do better next time to put more music <laughs> in because that's a good comment actually and uh, we'll see you next week and uh, I will do better. This has gone on too long. <laughs> <laughs> just write her on